Let's pretend that this isn't advice. And I'm Erin, and I'm not giving you advice. It's it's not advice. I can't help myself <laughs> give advice. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I want you to be able to live your life, but I know how to do it. I'm a huge know-it-all, and this is where I practice not giving advice to people. Except I totally give advice to them. I'm a lawyer turned professional certified coach, and I just happen to give the best advice. But this is a podcast, not a coaching session, so I obviously don't do that here, except I do. This is not advice with Erin Conlon, your know-it-all lawyer coach friend. This is not advice. Hi, so on today's episode of This Is Not Advice, I am doing something a little bit different. Um, it's the end of the year and, uh, I brought on another coach to try out a little bit of a different format that I am calling the advicing. The advicing. Um, basically we're just giving you a whole bunch of advice. Most of it is unsolicited. Nobody's asked for any of this advice, uh, but we give it to you. I brought on Jess Lilly. Jess is a colleague of mine. She is also a ride or die of mine. I love her. Um, we cover a ton, uh, relationships and well-being and like celebrating wins. If you really want to know where I nerd out, it's probably around minute 55 where I talk about Michigan football and going to the Ohio state game with my dad. Um, (laughs) so, I really love this episode. I just had a lot of fun doing it. Um, And I want to say thank you to everybody who has taken the time to listen to this podcast this year. I'm really proud of the work that I've done. And I'm really proud of all of you for all of the work that you've done. Um, I created this podcast as a love letter to people who do things that are not, you know, I don't know, to people who do things. (laughs) I don't want to say normal because I think people do stuff all the time. And I just wanted to highlight like how cool it can be to go past the initial roadblock and how many people have those. So Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for keep. Thanks for going. Thanks for your resilience. Um, thanks for uh, all of your support. And just a reminder: this is like I probably won't release a couple of podcasts for a few weeks. I am not disappearing. <laughs> I am just taking a little bit of a holiday break, as should you. You know that's a foundational thing for well-being which we also talk about in this podcast. Um, Also, shout out to my producer, Steve, who has been integral to making every single one of these episodes. Um, Steve runs Cedar Cathedral Narrative Studios. I really just am so grateful for him. And shout out to my social media manager, Beth, at Lulu and Leo's, who has... One, gotten me some really amazing guests, and two, just been a huge champion for me and my guests and a lot of really cool things that have happened this year. 
Yeah, I hope you like the advicening. The advicening. I think I might do it quarterly. I don't know. If you have any things that you would want more advice on, I, don't, I, I would love your feedback. You can send it to me. Email me, uh, Aaron at AaronConlin.com. And take excellent care of yourselves. Happy holidays. Get some rest. Thank you. Uh, hey, Jess Lily. <laughs> oh, hey there, Aaron. Um, Jess, so welcome to what I have decided to call the advicening. <laughs> the advicening. Um, Jess, will you introduce yourself to my audience so that they know who you are? Absolutely. My name is Jess. I am a professional certified coach like Aaron. I am a former public school teacher turned leadership coach, and I work with heart-centered leaders on building effective teams and employing empathy, vulnerability, and trust building in their leadership. Um, what does that fucking mean, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I appreciate you asking. Um, the wh- What that really means is leaders who have been basically brought up in a hierarchical type of leadership style, telling people what to do and not really getting the relational piece of leadership. I support them in figuring that out, (laughs) learning how to relate to people as whole people and be compassionate and not just relate to people as doers of tasks. Mm. So basically, you work with human beings who are also leaders to, you know, be leaders, but human. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that really is it. My, you know, when I break it down and like, what's actually the point of what I do? Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, what is actually the point of what I do? And the way I've been understanding it for myself, which I should just say it like this, because I think it's more relatable is that it's repairing trust in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Basically, I spent the first few years of coaching doing career coaching, where, you know, every person who was super burnt out, hates their job, doesn't have sufficient support in their job, were coming to me to escape their work environment. And I spoke to enough people about this to be like, oh, well, there's just these huge trust breakdowns and trust issues in workplaces. People are not being, people do not believe that their workplace, oh, what's the profanity levels here, Aaron? Um, pretty much full court profanity. <laughs> okay. People is don't that- think that their workplaces give a shit about them. So yeah. why would they sacrifice? Why would they work? Why would they, you know, basically, why would they endure, you know, conditions that <laughs> that don't work for them? You know, they, so they were all trying to escape these work environments. And basically what I found was really there just needed to be relationship repair. Like I, I worked with a client who ended up getting, you know, a $10,000 promotion that Basically, she had been due for years, but she just didn't, you know, they just didn't have that conversation. And of course, that's just, that's not all on the, you know, employer. That's on, you know, the individual to advocate. But there's just work to be done. 
there's work to be done where humans are. <laughs> so I like to go there where the humans are. And they yeah. spend so much of their time at work, the humans. I mean, <laughs> I, I think one of my biggest, like, that one of the things I actually work on with my clients the most is that second piece is spending so much time at work. Mm. Like, why? Why are you spending so much time there? <laughs> yeah. What's the point? <laughs> why? And, and I, you know, do they answer that question when you ask them oh. why? What do they say? Well, you know, if I ask somebody why anything, they'll give me a very long, detailed explanation that has like, you know, basically a five paragraph essay as to why that it would do anything. It's very well defended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have they're They're also attorneys. They have the defense. They already lined it out. Yeah. Well, I don't ask my attorney clients a lot of why questions for that particular <laughs> reason. Um but the basic background to it is, you know, people, well, with attorneys, why the why I spend a lot of time at work is that work is often measured by how much time you spend there. The mm. measure of success is how much time you put in, which is crazy because <laughs> <laughs> it, that's not always a great measure of success. Sometimes if you're spending a lot of time doing something, it's because you totally fucked it up. <laughs> oh yeah if we could hop off the the time as success that would be i think that sounds great how's it going with with your clients and reducing the time that they spend you know just so great. they look like they're successful well for the most part it's pretty good like the people who choose to hear me and relate to themselves as you know, whole humans with lives that are more than, you know, the performance that they think that they need to achieve um, at their jobs tend to do better at work, are more effective with less time. Hey what now, am I, I think this sounds like the advice ending has begun. What, what <laughs> <laughs> the advice ending has definitely begun. Um, one of my clients said so she started taking pole dancing classes this year yes oh yes she said that so she has had a hell of a year but and and like in a, a big way but she said that being able to climb up the pole was her biggest accomplishment i absolutely love that the do you know what that reminds me of no what what does it remind <laughs> That reminds me of, I love how I'm about to compare. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, that reminds me of when I transitioned from being a public school teacher, you know, I kind of, I, I hit a wall as people do sometimes when they're public school teachers. I said, I can't take it anymore. There's a lot longer of a story to that, but let's just call it, I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I ended up you know, kind of wandering, being on a bit of a wandering path to try to figure out what my, you know, who am I and what do I want in life? And I ended up working as a hostess at a restaurant, like a fine dining restaurant. And I remember at the end of one of my nights being a hostess, I was like, I feel more accomplished and satisfied with what I've done today. <laughs> 
and I have been appreciated more in this one evening as a hostess than I than I had been my whole <laughs> time as a public school teacher. Something is upside down. Something, mm-hmm. no. no, no. I I totally get that. I remember the right before I quit my job as an attorney. Um, I was at the the leader retreat, and we had spent the whole weekend. The, the last one that we had in San Diego, which for the people listening, the leader retreat is a, is basically a conference of coaches. And um, I got invited as what was more or less a, an intern. We'll leave it there. And I spent the whole, <laughs> we'll leave it there. I spent the whole time getting coffee. It was a very, uh, compared to what I did in my day job, being at the leader retreat was you know, the equivalent of being a hostess or, you know, an intern getting coffee for free. And I had so much more fun doing that than I had in yep. all of the accomplishments that I had as an attorney that year. I was like, yeah, man, I got to be done with this. Yep. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Well, what do you think was the the thing that made that more satisfying? I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, I don't know why you love being a coach, Jess. I'm assuming that you do. I do. Still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's but, go there. But yeah, go on. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of what was really great about it was like, you're in a room with, I think there was probably 40 people that gave a shit about growth Mm. and possibility and um, diversity and making sure that humans had access to a better experience of being a human. Mm. Okay, so you you kind of saw like a direct line to like your purpose in life and and what you value. Yeah, and I also saw like a community of professionals that aligned with how I wanted to be. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of like if that's a, you know, a whole puzzle of how you want things to be, you're willing to be the coffee person in the puzzle (laughs) because you're a part of the puzzle. I mean, for for that moment I was like, yeah, (laughs) for a brief period of time. Yes. Willing to be coffee person. Would I be that person for forever? No. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just own like my, my, my ambition is too great for that. Well, that's, I mean, that's another I feel like another great point that you also had a sense that it was not eternal coffee. Like you actually, you were, well, I was there too. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you were deeply appreciated by people. You were contributing to this bigger picture thing and you weren't going to be the coffee person forever. You were being developed too. Like you being developed, I guess I should start speaking for myself. I think one of the reasons why I love, you know, that I really appreciated that experience was that I was also being developed, you know, that it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, and some of the businesses that I really love working with um, are the ones that whether you're a 
frontline like sandwich maker person or you're a, you know, it doesn't, you know, you're a VP or whatever, you're still being developed. Like it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't matter what your job title or, you know, whether you're bringing the coffee or you, I don't know, or looking at spreadsheets, like you matter and you're being developed. Yeah, totally. Sure. So So, that just, that just made me think of my first piece of advice for the advicing, which is literally all business owners, every single one should be developing every single human being that works for them. Everyone. It doesn't matter how small, how little contribution, even if they're a contractor, it doesn't matter. Every human who works for you needs to be developed. Well, it's an it's an interesting idea, right? Like if you if you relate to yourself as a business owner, then yeah, okay, you can take that advice and apply it. But if you're just like a middle manager or you're just, you know, a shift supervisor at a restaurant, you're still a leader. Or if you're just like I don't know about you, Jess, but I have found myself a de facto leader a lot. Whether yes. I want to be a oh, it's so <laughs> I, I've had to, I've had to like relate to myself in a way that empowers that. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's where like people get resentful with me, is that I don't give them that development. I don't give them that information that they're expecting from me. Ooh. That I don't think that they're expecting it from me. Like what information are they looking for? Anything. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Think about it. I think about um, my, when I was an attorney, when people would be like, it's almost as though, they thought that I knew something that they, that I had a manual that they didn't have access to. And these are people working under you? No, my peers. Oh, peers. Or like it happens, you know, as a, as a coach too, where people think that I know things that they don't know, or like I have a piece of information that, that they don't have. And I'm like holding on to it to not share it with them. Yeah. What do you think? What, what created that? What What's that about? I mean, I'm a know-it-all. <laughs> Is that it? I mean, here we are. Is it because you literally act like you know it all? Is that it? It might be. It might be a little bit that. I think it's also that like um, I can figure things out mm. and people trust me to figure things out. Yeah. Do you know, I actually just realized that I don't, I don't know what the opposite of a know-it-all is. I definitely am capable of being a know-it-all, especially when I think I'm right and everybody else is wrong and blah, 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 when I'm righteous and angry and whatever. But I think that my default is, I don't know. (laughs) I think that I'm more of a, well, I, you know, I think, you know, I think I sometimes connect that to the, uh you know, a Myers-Briggs, like J's versus P's. I'm guessing you're a J. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total J. (laughs) 
that's not such a wild, wild <laughs> guess. But just this idea of, well, I don't know. I, I think that one of the reasons why I love being a coach is because it 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 it's it it allows that curiosity and not knowing to be kind of operationalized. So I I actually default to not knowing mm. um, rather than being the the one who knows that everyone's like, damn it, why doesn't Aaron tell me the answer? Yeah. Well, I think that default is the like the the brain the brain blanking, the going dumb. Mm. Um I you know, I've worked with some people who have that and it's just a it's an interesting default. Right? Because then you don't get blamed for anything. Oh yeah. There's um well, I can't, you know, the the thing that I was going to, I don't know, we're twisting and turning, but the the place that that lands me is like, I actually am curious about this. Do you feel like you have more self-trust as a know-it-all than people who are in the I don't know boat? That's an interesting question. I think, um, well, to be fair, I think one thing to remember is that I also have a really lovely case of generalized anxiety disorder. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so self-trust and anxiety aren't necessarily like best buds. Mm-hmm. They, they don't hang out together in the bathtub. <laughs> uh, and I think that know-it-allism can often be a coping mechanism for my anxiety. If I just know everything, then I can find the right answer. Mm. Okay. So it's just a different way to deal with uncertainty, not knowing. Yeah. And I guess if I were to put some advice around this, you know, since this is the advicing. The advicing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's never about like the end result. It's always about the awareness around what you're doing. Because mm. the more aware you are of what you're doing, the more options you have as you are going through. Yeah, I think that, you know, Aaron, I have a advice and in question for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one, too. Okay. Awareness gives you more options. Uh-huh. Fabulous. What have you done with the people around you who are in denial? Talk to me about you and your experience of people being in denial and being really resistant, resistant to awareness. Denial about what? Denial about... There, I don't know. I just, you were kind of like, the advice is to gain awareness so that you can have more choices. Uh huh. How do you break up the, how do you crack open the journey to awareness for people who are just kind of blindly going along? Well, I guess that's kind of like, 
the thing, right? You have to be willing. You have to be will. It's the, I don't know. I have a, I, so I'm, uh, I'm kind of seeing somebody and he let me, he signed me into his HBO max on my TV. And so I relationship milestone love. That's what I said. And he was like, (laughs) you're using the R word, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. But anyway, um, (laughs) The the Matrix is on HBO Max, and I was like, do I need to rewatch this? I think I might need to rewatch this. Yep. But I think that's kind of a Matrixy like question, right? Like, are you willing to become aware of what you're not aware of? Mm. And until you're willing, anything that anyone says to you is gonna go right by your face. Yeah. Well, I think that that also comes back around to my original advicing about mm-hmm. business owners. Everybody develop your people, every single person, <laughs> because well, I have found myself in situations where I am running into a brick wall over and over again when I'm like, hey, I see a lot of potential or I see a lot of I see I have a vision of what could be possible you know, in whether it's people around me, I mean, <laughs> basically leave people alone if they don't want to be, <laughs> if they don't want to be supported and developed, also leave them alone. <laughs> but consider well, like, that when you bring people into your world, whether or not they're going to be down to grow and, you know, take the blue or red pill, whichever one is the get out of the matrix one. I don't yeah, know. I don't remember. <laughs> purple. I choose purple. It's, it's the pill. Take the, take the one, take the one, take the, take the cool one. Take the, take the one that you're supposed to take that creates the awareness so that you know that you're a part of the machine and then like you bend things and you can create re- whatever. Yeah. Um, do that one. The magical one. Yes. <laughs> It's so, Jess, uh, yep. can we get personal? Always. Okay. You started a new relationship this year. Yeah, I totally did. Right. Oh my God. He just literally called me. That's so funny. As I asked that? Yep. He literally just, like, as you said, you started a relationship. His little face, you know, his face is on my phone now. That's so funny. Do you know what's amazing? I asked that at 22 minutes and 20 seconds. Oh, I love that. Isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> love. Yep. Okay. Outside of the angel numberness of that and the <laughs> universal synchronicity of that, I have it that that's a, probably a pretty good sign for you to give us relationship advice. Oh, my God. Jessica, this is okay. I'm savoring this. Aaron. You asking me to give relationship advice, I did not know that this day would ever come, that someone would look at my face and in all seriousness say, wow, Jess, seems like you might have some advice to give about relationships. So I am am, super into that, super duper into it. I'm genuinely asking you, like, all right, you, this guy seems for real, for real for you. For real, super for real. Okay. Relationship advice. Um, 
<laughs> I'm so new to this. Okay, I'm going to share with your listeners why this feels very new. Um, so for my adult life, up until now, um, actually up until, I basically had been repeating the same um, patterns in romantic relationship for my whole uh, adult life up until like three-ish years ago. Okay, so three-ish years ago, I had one more messy, terrible breakup. And I said, oh, I took the pill, the magical one, <laughs> where I was willing to be aware of my own bullshit. And I was willing to be aware. Shocking. <laughs> I know, truly shocking. It only took me, you know, however many rides around the merry-go-round. And so a few years ago, I did a few things all at once. I stopped drinking, which I'm coming up on three years. Yay. Oh my God, look at me go. Um, so, so yeah, that. And I, I guess a little bit before that, started coach training. Highly recommend. <laughs> and yeah. I decided to... I, I I basically decided to examine all of the sabotage beliefs and behavior patterns that I had that kept recreating the same old shit. So I had one of those going after unavailable people, going after emotionally unavailable people, um, doing the whole codependent thing of... I will become whatever they want me to be. And by the way, I'm also going to guess what they want me to be. Instead of ask them. Yeah. Don't ask. Just guess. That's what. The <laughs> you might want an M&M. I, I don't know. I, yeah. No. The. Yeah. So all those old patterns of I need to scan my environment and determine who I need to be at any given moment that would satisfy the people around me. So that was, and that was just cranked up to a million, you know, in romantic relationships because there was so much that felt, it felt very high stakes. So I was always doing, so I was doing stuff like that, you know, that doesn't end well. <laughs> well, actually people generally, you know, I, I it didn't end well for me. I'm going to stop, you know, generalizing for the whole world, even though this is the advice inning. <laughs> People do whatever you want. But for me, that didn't work. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, three-ish years of really working on myself, doing therapy, doing the sober thing, doing, you know, a lot of that stuff. Um, basically, I I think another thing that I did leading up to this relationship. And as you can tell, I haven't said anything about the relationship itself. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's the per first piece of the advice-ing is that okay, most wait. of it has to do with me. <laughs> okay. So first piece of advice is you did a lot of work for you on you about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause some people's bullshit doesn't affect their capacity to be in a healthy romantic relationship. But mine did. <laughs> yeah. My bullshit needed sure. to be tackled before I could be in a place to have a healthy romantic relationship, for sure. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote down 
everything that I wanted and needed in a partner because I had never done that before. I had never considered what do I want. I was always in that I'll take what I can get mindset or I was, I was always in that um, who do I need to be for them where I didn't even stop and say like, how do I want to be treated? What do I, you know, what are important qualities or values or, you know, all that. I did, I'd never, when my coach, when my coach asked me that, I was like, what? Yeah. What are your, what are your conditions of satisfaction for being in a relationship, a romantic relationship? I was like, Hmm, I need you to say that different. I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't know what that <laughs> means. What do you mean? I, I have preference. Like I should have preferences and stuff. That's- oh, it's not just like somebody drops off a person at my house and I go, okay, cool. Oh how God. do I shape shift so that this person stays? Oh my God. How do I make this person stay? Yeah, that was a revolution, total revolution. Um, and actually another thing that I think made a really big difference for me kicking off being in this or being ready to be in this relationship was um, I actually did a group coaching. I, I worked, I worked with a coach in a group coaching program around rewriting my motherhood story because for me, mm-hmm. really owning the fact that I want to be a mom and my search for a romantic partner were very much interconnected. And for a long time, I didn't believe that I could actually find the right romantic partner. So I started doing that hedging thing around being a mom where I was like, well, maybe I don't care that much. Maybe I, I could just be a really cool aunt with funky necklaces and like statement glasses and just rock that and just do that <laughs> really well. Um, okay. So so I did that. And a few weeks into that group coaching experience where I was like examining my like, what do I want out of becoming a mother or what would I want it to be like? Um, I matched with this amazing human being named David. And he actually is someone that I knew from childhood. And I hadn't, he and I were, uh, we both were campers at the same camp and then we became counselors at the same camp and I hadn't spoken to him in 15 years. Mm. And he popped up on my, on my hinge and I was like, Oh shit, he's cute. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. He, he turned out great. Shit. <laughs> wait, was he cute 15 years ago? Yeah. He was totally cute 15 years ago. Okay. Would you have made out with him 15 years ago? Absolutely. Okay, just checking. So he, you know, it's interesting because he, the summer that we spent time together, Mm -hmm. he had a long distance girlfriend and I was dating just another guy at camp. And Mm -hmm. so we were like buddies. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. David, my buddy. So now 15 years later, he's like, I had a big big, big crush on you. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. Sounds good to me. I I mean, that's super cute. What makes him um, the real deal for you? There are many, many reasons. One is that I can be exactly who I am around him and he will not tolerate anything else. (laughs) How does he know when you're not being you? Um, 
turns out it's actually not that hard to notice. <laughs> turns out all those other partners were kind of like not paying any attention to me at all. <laughs> they just weren't. They just weren't paying attention. They were quite apathetic. Um, so he just, he he's very attentive and curious and caring and will, he will call me out and he will, he's very much like my very best friend, Laura does this thing. And when he did this thing, I was like, Oh, he's, he's right for me. So Laura does this thing where she will like fact check the things that I say about myself She'll be like, wow, that that actually sounds really harsh. Like maybe you were doing the best you can and you're awesome. <laughs> like, because I I lean toward being hypercritical of myself or, you know, being overly um I put myself in other people's shoes before I put myself in my shoes. Mm. Pretty much in any situation. So he's like a major, he's just like a no. I don't tolerate that. Like, how about we, how about we team Jessica? Let's do that. He's very, so he's very um, loyal and um, honest and um, and he's brave. I like me fully expressed. Like he, he doesn't, I've had boyfriends in the past like break up with me because they're like, yeah, you're too much. Mm. Like in the past, they've been like, oh yeah, you scare me. I'm like, whoa. So obviously that turned into a thing of me being too much. But he doesn't think I'm too much. You know, he's like more, the more just the better. And he is passionate and smart. Like there's a bajillion things I love about him, but these are some of the ones that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is a good, very good match for me. It's interesting. It sounds like he's forcing you to rewrite your relationship story. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I told him, I feel like I'm starting over. I feel like I'm 14. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, how how to romantic relationship? <laughs> you know, and not like I'm starting over. I'm starting over, but with all of like, the lessons I've learned and the skills I now have, but I am really resetting romantic partnership. And I'm like, we can just go ahead and <laughs> like, I'm doing something new with you that I haven't done before. Like, this is a mm-hmm. new thing. I wish there was another word for it, but yeah. Well, if you were to like talk with somebody who's been in a long-term relationship that feels stagnant and they crave that ability to reset, what would you tell them? Like they're still committed to their partner. They love their partner. They're not out. They're just like, I want that feeling. Mm. Well, I think that the, a really important thing is to just be, um, look at it from like a radical personal responsibility lens. Cause you're not going to get someone to do anything or be anything different. Mm -hmm. 
So if you want things to change in your relationship, likely, like you're going to have to be the source of it. So people who want more fun, like, I I guess that's probably something that people want. (laughs) Like you, like, (laughs) I don't know. Who wants more fun? Why would anybody (laughs) want more fun? Fun is, fun is, it takes time. It's a little exhausting. Why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think that likely people stop themselves by saying, oh, I don't know how they're going to respond to that. Or first I need them to do this before I'll do this. Or, you know, there's all these like um, roadblocks that people put up in their way rather than just saying, well, who do I need to be to generate this experience in this relationship? And you know what? If it doesn't work the Mm -hmm. first time, that's okay. Try something else. Like try something else. It's just if you're committed to one, but but le- you're going to have to let go to how things used to be. So there is some fear and scariness, you know, but yeah, letting go of how things were and being the one to generate the new experience. Yeah. I think that's the, um, I think there's that to it. And I think the other part that like we're kind of, touching on is the curiosity piece. Mm. Like this idea that you already know how it's going to go, that you know how the other person feels, that you know what the other person is. There's two people in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And not only that, there's like actually six people in a relationship. There's the person that you are presenting yourself to be. There's the person that you actually are. And there's the person that you want to be. And your partner has those three people too. Damn. I like that. So, like, who's actually meeting each other today? Yeah. Well, what are some other things that people say they want in relationship? When they seek a reset, what else are they looking to get? Intimacy. Yeah. Like, let's get deeper. Like, strangeness. Like, some of that sexual sexuality piece that Esther Perel talks about how you – lose that sexual tension because you think you already know. Ooh. So like, why are you not attracted to your partner? It's because you watch them pee. (laughs) Stop watching them pee. (laughs) That's a good piece of advice for the advice inning. (laughs) Stop watching your partner pee. Oh my God. I was dating this guy a few years ago and we had not been dating that long and he peed in front of me really fast. I was like, no, Stop that. We're not no. doing that. No. Nope. I mean, we clearly are not together, so. <laughs> that was the beginning of the end for you <laughs> with this guy. Oh, there was many beginnings of the end with that guy. <laughs> I think there was like four ends with that guy, too. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that's my relationship pattern is like four breakups per person. Ooh, it's a lot of breakups. It's not. Like, they're not bad breakups. I just, like, same people keep circling back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're not bad breakups, which means, hey, I could do that one again. (laughs) As opposed to a bad breakup where it's like, never again. I could never Mm -hmm. do that. Well, and it's never, like, one thing that I have started to realize is that I, I force breakups to happen. 
but I make them break up with me. <laughs> Damn. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I get to like be the victim of them breaking up with me. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> or at least that's how it was when I was younger. Now I'm much more responsible for how it goes. You are highly responsible. I've noticed that about you. (laughs) I'm more responsible. (laughs) It's a spectrum. Responsibility is a spectrum. (laughs) Okay, so you said that the people want intimacy Mm -hmm. and depth and sexual sexual strangeness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are just like three ideas off the top of my head. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think that all that stuff starts with the individuals themselves getting super clear and then being able to own what they want. I think that's another big thing. Like how many people refuse to say like, this is what I want. Yeah. Scary. I wish we didn't live in a society that made like wanting things that were not consumer goods so hard. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Wanting things that are not consumer goods. That's actually a huge, I mean, I think that you just brought another thing to the advising, which is in order to, go after what you really want. You also can't fill up your life with consumer goods all the time. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) using that as a way to get what you want. Like if you're always, you know, or whatever other ways that people um, Mm -hmm. soothe themselves with the temporary fixes of life rather than going after the real thing, which is the intimacy or the depth or the, you know, the connection, the, the fun. Well, yeah. The consumer good gives you the experience that you're actually looking for. <laughs> you know, so like, let's say, what, like, let's say you buy a bunch of like fancy chocolate or whatever. You're looking for pleasure. Like, go for the pleasure. That's the experience. Go for the pleasure. Mm-hmm. What you want is pleasure. What you buy is chocolate. I mean, that's a, (laughs) that actually sounds like a pretty good ad campaign for chocolate. (laughs) What you want is pleasure. (laughs) What you buy is chocolate. (laughs) But yes, I understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're kind of like getting towards, I don't know, we've talked a lot. What, uh, let's switch away from relationships, but not away from relationships because it's all the same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. um, what advising advice do you have for people in taking care of themselves? Mm. Do it. <laughs> we'll start there. Totally do it. It's worth it. It's amazing. Um, have you read Existential Kink? Uh, not yet. No. Oh, highly recommend. Um, I think that one of the things that I loved about that, and I you know, in the podcast notes, we'll put the author's name. I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, but I she talks, won't, 
with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just own that I I probably won't do that, but you know, Jess will I'll, I'll tag Jess in the Instagram post, and she definitely will tell you who wrote it. I a hundred percent will do that. Um, well, one of the messages that she hammers home in that book, Existential Kink, is that you know we get we get off of our bad habits and our self-sabotage patterns. Like we really, if we were able to own what we actually get from them (laughs) and like just allow ourselves the pleasure of that, (laughs) um, then we wouldn't be blindly repeating them. Like we could actually change it. Like for, you know, I don't know, people. And the reason why I connected this to like take care of yourself is this applies to financial, this applies to exercise, it applies to, you know, people, whatever self-destructive habits people have, you know, whether they're addictive things or not. Um, But really facing the, like really facing and understanding, like, what do I get from that? What do I get from not taking care of myself? Because it's Mm -hmm. not just like, oh, no, I'm just lazy or, oh, I'm just an asshole. That's why I don't take care of myself. It's like, no, you're a human being and you are getting payoff from not taking care of yourself in whatever way it is. Yeah. I have a lot of people who are fine. Mm. Like they they do just enough where they can say that they're doing what they're supposed to do, but not so much where they like actually are well or they feel good about themselves or they relate to themselves are great as great or whatever. And I like when I talk about well-being, I'm not talking about like the gap between fucking your life up and getting to okay. <laughs> I'm talking about the gap between like being okay and being great. Mm. Yeah. So what do you see people resist in there, the going from fine to great? Oh man. Well, it's, I think it's a similar gap, right? (laughs) It's like, what do you get from just checking the box? You get to say you did it, right? Mm. You get to say that you're, doing the thing, but like, do you actually have the results that you want to have? Do you actually have the experience of life that you want to have? And I, you know, the, the thing, I think that for the advice that I have probably is like, it's okay to fail and not get exactly what you want. Hmm. And a lot of that, like, oh, I'll just check the box, is probably a fear of failure. Mm. Oh, if I work out four times a week, that should be enough for me to lose 40 pounds. Well, probably not if you haven't yet. Mm. So what's the actual thing you need? Not that you need to lose weight. People out there of the world, I'm. it's just a quick off the top example that I struggle personally with. Well, it's also, it's interesting because it, it, ties back to the authentic desires and owning your desires. Perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, look, for someone who I love, here, let's see if, an example from my life rather than talking about you out there. Um, 
there is a part of me. Definitely me. (laughs) Well, there's a part of me. I, for a while, I fall down YouTube rabbit holes occasionally. And one of the Mm -hmm. ones that I was Mm -hmm. getting really into was watching personal trainers training like Marvel superheroes. Like, I just thought that was so fun to watch. Like, how did Camille Nanjiani turn into a, a go from, like, a total nerd to ripped superhero? That that kind of thing? Yeah, that kind of thing. And, like, I saw, I watched, you know, someone working with Scarlett Johansson for Black Widow and whatever. And there is a part of me that's like, damn, that would be fucking cool. That'd be really cool to work out and get to that level of excellence and fitness that you know, someone does specifically for like to be a warrior, like what, what would that look like? But I will never do that. I just don't want it. I really don't want it bad enough. Like I actually want my lifestyle where I get to, I, I, there's, there's, I don't, I, I don't authentically want that to the level of what it would take because there is a cost. There is, you know, when you look at, you know, what you want, you actually need to be looking at, well, where are you wanting that from? Like if I were to go after that, like where would I actually be choosing that from? And I think some people don't examine their goals from a place of like authentically, what is this for? And is it for me? Is there a, you know, is this connected? Is this deeply connected to me? Or is this some standard that I feel like I need to achieve to be acceptable or lovable because if you could get off the lovability scale and just be like I am worthy and lovable period what would I want from there it's interesting right because like inherent in what you just said is oh you can't want anything until you're worthy and lovable like it's a precondition that well I think that you know, I think that achieving self-love and self-trust are mm-hmm. ongoing. That's like creativity. That's like an ongoing mm-hmm. thing forever. Mm-hmm. But things that you choose from self-hate or a lack of self-trust are are going to be an uphill climb. They are going to be. <laughs> they're going to end a certain way. Like when you choose something, like sometimes we don't use that language of like self-hate, but like what's lacking self-love that's self-hate rejection of self. So Mm. it's not like you have to be in this perfect state of self-love at all times. But when you choose things from, I will be acceptable after this is the case, there's a pattern to how that will go. Yeah. Well, and like, I guess what I'm sitting here thinking about is, all right, so much of what stops people is thinking that they need to be here first to get there. Mm -hmm. I need to like, oh, before I ask for a raise, I need to have all of these things right before I, whatever. Um, And like this, it puts, it puts you as, let's just say you and I are talking about ourselves. It puts us on our heels, right? We're always in a reactive state. If we are constantly trying to get the thing in order to be worth what we're looking for. 
And I wonder if you and I are kind of just talking around the same basic thing around well-being, which is like, actually, if well-being is not what are you doing, it's how are you, it's the, how are you relating to yourself mm-hmm. as somebody who can and will be great in the world mm. and is great already? And what do you need to take care of that and nourish that? And grow that. Yeah. I also think. Not label it self-hate. Sorry, go ahead. And sustain that. Like, I think that, you know, something that we talk a lot about in the coach training world is expanding, you know, expanding what you can be with and expanding your leadership and expanding the projects that you're a part of and, and growing in that way. And what level of well-being do you need to sustain in order for that life to work? And Mm -hmm. I think that um, what you said about fearing failure, there's another aspect to that of like, well, what if everything falls apart? (laughs) Like, what if I build and build and build and I create this well-being that can sustain all of that? And then, you know like relating to it as being fragile or something that can like fall apart at any moment. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. If you're relating to the things that you create as could fall apart at any moment, then you're partially relating to yourself as fragile and can fall apart. at mm-hmm. any moment. How many China dolls do we have listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you're not fragile. (laughs) Like pretty sure most of you all are middle-aged or on your way to middle age. Congratulations. You've lived at least 28 years. Nailed it. (laughs) So advising on well-being is do it and look at how you're relating to yourself while you do it. Hmm. Yeah. Also, like, don't relate to it as a checkbox. Mm-hmm. It's going to change. And you might need to come back to the same things. Like, your well-being will require sleep. That's your well-being will require sleep. It will require food. Oh, my God. Revolutionary. <laughs> Those are two things that will be required in order for you to continue to function as a human being. Do you know what also came to mind here is Uh, also that it's, there's, you know, seasons to it and cycles to it. I think that that's another thing that I trip up with when it comes to well-being is relating to myself as a robot or a machine or like, well, once I do this, I should be able to be continuous in this exact same way always rather than know knowing already there's going to be flows and different like it's going to look different at different times and not being that's that's tripped me up before being like oh no why do i need more rest right now it's like because you do and do it (laughs) like it's okay yeah Oh, man. But it here's the thing. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about career. We're talking about well-being. 
I have these buckets. I tell, I talk about this on my Instagram. I talk about this in my, with my clients. I use all of these because they feed each other. When you pay attention to these areas, they feed each other. Mm. So like well-being feeds your relationships, feeds your career, feeds your leadership, feeds your creativity. And if you can't get a win in one area, you might be able to get a win in in another area. Um, So let's just do some general advice. Like, all right, what do you want to tell your clients that you haven't been able to say to them? Ooh, general advice. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick to yourself. Don't. Yeah, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick, man. It's not that hard. Stop being a dick. Stop being a dick, particularly to yourself. Stop being a dick. Stop. Good. Oh, quit with the all or nothing. You are not a complete success and you're not a complete failure. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, this is like things take time. Let them uh-huh. take time. Yeah. Also, be ready to win. Be ready to win. Dude, it's a kind of a thing. You got to be ready to win. Like, if you are the kind of person who is so used to relating to yourself as not a winner, when things start going your way, you will fuck it up. Yeah. Ooh. I think another advising thing, general advising, is... Kind of, how do I say this in a way that's embrace change might be Mm -hmm. the inspirational poster way to say that, (laughs) but yeah, like get with change, like whatever you need. I don't know. I think that this like, but I want the old things and the new things. No, you might have to let go of some of the old things for the new thing. It's okay to like let go. Like it's okay for change to happen. You are going to have to let go of something. It's okay. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's kind of like um I it's not it, it's less the embracing of it and it's more like allowing life to unfold. And some things will stay and some things won't. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll have a say and sometimes you won't. On that note, you are not in control of everything. And nor can you be. Nor would you want to be. Yes. And you also have to be responsible for your experience. A good old both and. I mean, it's kind of a mind fuck though, right? Like it you're is. not in control of everything, but you have to be responsible for what you can be responsible for. Yeah, that's a tricky one for me. Is it? Mm-hmm. I like being completely hyper responsible for everything and everyone and all mm. of time and space or completely non-responsible at all. <laughs> Or a total victim to circumstances. A total victim to circumstances and fate. (laughs) That's it. One or the other. 
I am learning to be more um, flexible in my mentality around that. Like of, okay, I did contribute to this in some ways. And also some of this was outside of my control. And how would I do that next time? Or how will I do that next time? Mm -hmm. But without going full self-beat-up mode. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to, like, be in this, I don't know. I have, I, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> anymore. Um, I've had a lot of expansion this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have to relate to myself as bigger than I used to. Mm-hmm. So that advice about being willing to win. Yeah. That was for me. That was, was totally directly to your ears. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what are you going to have to let go of to be willing to win? Who says I have to let go of anything? I don't know. Is there something that you would, is there a story that you had to let go of or? No, I think I just have to be willing to win. Okay. Today's the day. Mm-hmm. From this day I forth, Erin, willing to win. You know, so I don't know if you know this, but I am a huge Michigan football fan. And I have been. Well, I went to Michigan for undergrad. I went to Michigan for law school. I grew up right down the street from Michigan football, University of Michigan. And I've been going to their games since I was a child. And Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. And I was at the game. And I have been going and I have been waiting for them to win. And I've known that they could win. And, like, we've had a couple of heartbreaking losses in the past 10 years. And I was sitting there with my dad, and I was like, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win. And I was, like, willing for it to happen. And the night before, I was, like, looking on Twitter for a writer who said that Michigan football could win. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody, nobody, no one was willing to say it. And it was, like, I was getting a little sad about that. And I texted my friend, and I was like, Nobody will say that they're willing. Like nobody will say that Michigan football. When she's like, "You're trying to lawyer your feelings, Aaron." You're trying to lawyer your feelings. <laughs> and I was like, "I am." <laughs> yes, you are correct, and I'm not going to stop anytime soon. No. But I like. I think that mindset shift has. What I'm trying to say is like I've started to embrace that. I think I started to embrace it a while ago. Um. And it's way more fun. And it's hard to embrace it. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I watched that game because David is a Michigan football person. You did. I did. And it was really fun to watch. There was one guy who jumped over another guy. The whole thing was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part. But I also Wait, saw there you. there was a guy that jumped over another guy? Yes. Like on TV? Yes. Oh, yeah. He jumped over the guy at the end. Yeah. yeah. That was really fun for me. Haskins. And I saw your Instagram your Instagram post about it. And I was very um I was very inspired by how that game was. I'm not even a I'm not a football fan, I'm not a sports fan, but I was very inspired by what it meant to everybody. I cried. I believe this. <laughs> I totally cried. 
my dad was like not at all able to like he he couldn't believe it until the score was over. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, oh my god! And we sat there and we watched people rush the field, and um, it was one of the most euphoric moments of my life. And it was a collective euphoria. Wow. And I don't, I wish everyone could experience that. Like the collective euphoria of something like that. And the coolest thing about all of this is that um, it was a real breakdown to breakthrough collective experience. Michigan football had been two and six or two and four the year before. Jim Harbaugh cut his pay in half. Like, took a huge pay cut, totally retooled his whole coaching staff, did everything that like you and I talk about breakdowns all of the time with our clients and what you have to be willing to accept in order to make those changes. Wow. And he did it. Wow. And not only did he do it, he did it in such a manner that like everyone got on board and was like, all right, we're here. Wow. Well, you're, story just gave me two advice innings. Okay. One is something so inspiring about that was like, believe in something greater than yourself. Like be a part of something, be a part of something. And that's actually believing in things and, and being connected to something greater is not actually something that people, I don't know. I feel like that's a gap for a lot of people. Not really feeling like a part of something. Oh, oh my God. So true. I think I forget that. Like you and I are part of a lot of community with the coaching that we do and with um, just, I think it's a natural thing that we do. (laughs) Yeah. We just do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. What was the second thing? Well, and the second thing was feel your feelings. Mm. (laughs) Feel your feelings and address whatever gets in the way of feeling your feelings because you have them even if you don't want to admit it. Well, I don't think that joy would have been so great if I hadn't been willing to suffer through the suffering of the years before. Like, like my loyalty to Michigan (laughs) is, is very deep. It's, stupid it's stupid it's so dumb (laughs) it's so dumb and like the advice piece that I have around this is expect and welcome the breakdown allow the thing to fall apart because you don't know what's on the other side and if you're trying to piece and hold together something that isn't working because it's working okay Mm-hmm. but it's not working to get you where you want to be the national championship game or, you know, the t- whatever, then it's not working. Wow. God. And that, that goes again to the, that goes to the denial. Will you take the pill? Will you admit that there is a breakdown? Will you own it? Will you, you know, embrace what is happening and, and actually, yeah. Let mm-hmm. go of what's not working and create something new. Yeah. Um, 
I know you have a client after this. How much time do you have? This client was willing to move our call a little bit. Oh, yes. Cool. Um, what is like a pivotal moment for you this year? Similar to my Michigan football story, since I just rambled on about something that might alienate, I don't know, 20 people. <laughs> you took a big risk, Aaron. Talking about football allegiances. Um, a big, a big deal thing. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot that happened this year. And, um, Okay. Well, which area of life? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. I think I'm looking for like the equivalent of nerding out the way I just nerded out for 10 minutes about Michigan football. Okay. Um, I'll I'll, I'll give you some nerd. It's it's coaching nerdiness. Coaching nerdiness. Okay. Okay. So I think that this year, and there wasn't one moment in particular that defined all of it. Mm -hmm. But this year was the year that I really understood that the qualities that I have in my leadership, like my brand, for lack of a better word, like my style of authentic leadership, where it is empathy and silliness and down to earth and, um, Willing to have like the fierce conversation. I'm reading Fierce Conversations, another great book. Um, That my leadership is really valuable and needed. And I went from being a person who wished the world was some kind of way. And why can't I help like it become that thing? Like, when is it going to happen outside of me? Like, I think even up until this year, I had been like, yeah, I think my leadership matters. I want to join, you know, the right team that's already moving this thing forward. And I really started to embrace that, what I'm calling heart-centered leadership, like being, relating to people as whole human beings, coming from my whole humanity, Like, that's a really important contribution, and I'm going to be the source of that. I am not going to, I'm going to piss people off. I'm going to, some people are going to roll their eyes at what I'm talking about. Some people are going to be like, no, the old, you know, the old way is when we pretended people weren't people, that was way better. Um, (laughs) Like, yeah, I started to really embrace my yeah, what I see and what I contribute. Um, And one of the reasons why, you know, I started to really get that internally, but it came from a number of things externally kind of lining up. Like, for example, I had been in a mentor relationship with a business owner who I admired and kind of put on a pedestal forever. And he actually reached out and hired me and was like, you're actually the perfect coach for one of my people. And when, yeah, it was huge because he was someone who I saw as like 
all the way, so separate from me, so much higher than me, so much more successful. And he knows that stuff about life. He has the manual, Aaron. I was like, oh, man, that manual, that manual. Like, I got to tell you, yeah. somebody, somebody's got to send it around. I know. Well, when he hired me, like we were just on another phone call. That was just another catch up. You know, what I related mm-hmm. to is almost like mentoring. Um, and when he was like, oh, you know what? You actually would be the perfect one for this person for all these reasons. And I was like, oh my God. And you're right. I actually am perfect for that person for all the reasons that you just said. Oh my God. Oh. And so when I talk about that relationship, I, <laughs> I, I, I sometimes refer to it as when heroes become friends. I'm like, mm-hmm. chapter three in Heroes Becoming Colleagues edition. Like, <laughs> like I, yeah. I think that that was a um, stepping into my greatness. Like you were talking about being willing to win. I think that my resistance to winning has definitely been around being visible and responsible and alienating people and like all of the my perceived negative consequences of owning my greatness. And now I'm like, Oh no, it's like way too cool to be small and hidden. No, I can't do that anymore. That's, that's mm, sorry. Yeah. I, it's, that's such a, it's such a good win. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations to have people shift their relationship with you. Like just show up with yourself so authentically that people see you differently. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Um, sec- secondly, like congratulations on the business win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, one thing you and I are dancing around is that we're both solo entrepreneurs. It can be a lonely rough ride at times. <laughs> yes. And, um, Oh, this is good advice for everyone. Celebrate these things. Celebrate yes. your wins, man. Yep. Rush the field. <laughs> Rush the field. Oh my God, I'm going to make a poster. Rush the field. Make posters. That's another piece of advice. Make posters. Holy crap. I got called out for not being a celebrator the other day. And I'm like, I really do suck at celebrating. I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, if I ever got married, I totally would just like courthouse wedding it and be like, oh, I don't need, I don't need, maybe people would know I got married. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. This is something that, that David has been like, we're going to do whatever you want to do. Mm. And I'm like, uh, I don't have any preferences. Oh shit. <laughs> I need to, I need to actually look for myself at, cause I really, I just never sat down and thought what I would want in a wedding. Really? Oh, never. This is a part of the old stuff of like preferences. I should want something that's interesting. Like I just, it's a totally, I have no clue. So I, that's a project for me to think about. I mean, you sound like you have project wanting in 2022. Oh my God. I am writing it down. Or project desire or something. Project desire. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Celebrate yeah. wins. For mm-hmm. sure. Rush the field, baby. Rush the field. 
rush the field. Um, oh, I love that you were watching that game. I know. I really loved it. I really, really loved watching it. Do you know um, that's the most watched football game of the year? I believe that. I really do. Um, well, the other thing that came up with Rush the Field. Mm-hmm. Um, God, what was the other piece of advice in Ing that just... Don't, don't do it alone. Oh, don't do it alone. Oh, yeah. And um, I loved what you said about own own and experience the suffering so you could actually have access to the full joy that really made a that made a really big impact on me when you were like oh actually i think the joy and the elation that came from that win came from me having been along for the whole ride and that's another mm-hmm. thing about being a solo entrepreneur is that we own all of it <laughs> there's no there's nothing to hide from There's nothing to hide in. We can't be like, oh, well, this other thing someone else did was shitty, and that's why stuff didn't work out. (laughs) It was like, no, I didn't do the scary action. I I didn't get hired by these people because I didn't do X, Y, and Z, you know, and and really taking ownership of all of it. Well, and sometimes you don't get hired by the people. (laughs) And, like, maybe you need to be talking to five people. Because you didn't get hired by the one person. Yeah. And so like the big scary action is actually 15 scary actions, not just one. Yeah. Um, And I like to that, it's, you know, are you, how much is the bare minimum and how much is like the actual minimum? The actual minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That relates, that relates back to that well-being conversation too. What's the actual minimum? Yeah, like what do you actually need in order to have what you actually want? Not like, you know, I think people think of things as a one-to-one relationship. If I do X, then this one thing will happen. I don't even know how many people I've talked to about hiring me at this point. Yeah. I don't know how many people I've talked to about doing workshops. I don't know. You are my 30th podcast. So I do. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but that is a lot of action sufficient to some results and it's not one-to-one and it's not one-to-one and it's not like a trickle. It's not like a turn the faucet on and you have a flow, a consistent, predictable flow either. Right. Yeah. And the other part too is like how, I think this is advice that you know, maybe we forget. Sometimes we don't like what we're up to and we get unenrolled in what we're doing or unenrolled in ourselves. And you have to come back to why you said you wanted to do this in the first place. And if it's, if your reason why isn't there, all right, man, get a new reason, get re get repurposed, get re-excited about what you're doing. Get a new reason. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that connected back to the celebrating wins, and I'm, this is something that I, it's probably related to Project Desire. Um, I am not great at tracking stuff, like tracking Ooh. my progress. And that actually robs me of, of a lot of celebrating. 
Okay. So. Oh, that, that might be a, a, a not do it alone thing. You might need like a, a tracking buddy or something. Yeah. It's a good piece of advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, most of the advice in the advice sitting has happened in the last 35 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> that is true. Yes. We had to get warmed up. Well, and, you know, I don't know what, where we were going to go. And there was definitely not a super clear agenda. And you and I usually get warm after 25 minutes anyway. So, yeah, here we are. Maybe I should maybe I should just tell Steve to cut the first 20 minutes. <laughs> or I don't know. We'll see. Did people listen all the way through? We'll find out. Well, we certainly will. Yeah. What <laughs> have you I actually am curious about. Um, can I ask you about your podcast? Yeah. Since here we are on it. Mm-hmm. First yep. of all, I am so excited to be on your podcast. Oh, I, I have not expressed that. Okay. It is awesome. I think it's a huge deal that you're on episode 30. And Thank I think you. it's a wonderful contribution. I love your voice. I was listening to the the intro, the interview with you. Uh-huh. I just I just love your 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 voice and your being and your snarkiness like you have the perfect blend of like snarky witty down to earth and super optimistic connection to possibility you're you're just you're just like the you know the soft serve swirl of those things and it just makes it makes both of them tastier Mm. like if you were all one or the other it would be like no too much Mm -hmm. but you are the soft serve swirl with the sprinkles Thank you. Thank you. Yes. But I want to know what you, what did you, what have you learned so far about life and yourself and your business from doing this podcast? Mm. I mean, I've learned a lot. Like consistency matters. I think that's a big thing for me. Um, I also think that what's the other piece? So many people are doing super cool things and they are not celebrated or acknowledged or seen for it. And I am so proud of what I have done and being able to shine a light on those people. So cool. Um, and I want to do more of that. Wow. I am really proud of that. And um, I think the final piece, which I kind of already knew, which is like what stops one person probably stops a lot of people. And so our struggles are not unique, but they are unique. Mm -hmm. And so there's always an opportunity to learn from somebody else. And there's always an opportunity to see ourselves in somebody else. Yeah. Gosh, I love... I love the way that you are using your podcast to acknowledge and see people who, because I think that's one of the things that people get so much out of being coached is that people get to be seen and heard and held in a particular way in coaching, but this is Mm -hmm. just another avenue to do it and to do it publicly and to, yeah, to celebrate people. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know, it's an, 
I, I'm proud of it. I'm a pro- I'm proud of the work that I've done in it. As you should be. Huzzah yeah. to you. Thank you. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> Huzzah. Yes. Jess Lily, thank you so, so much for being the first guest of the advising. <laughs> yes. The advising. The advising. The advising. Um, any last words for this podcast in this moment, not for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Final words. You are such a fun person to be on this ride with. Holy shit. Oh, thanks. Like you're just, I mean, my my last words on this podcast are just, you are an amazing coach and a wonderful friend and human, and you are going to be my friend forever. And that is something that I will be sure to, like, you just won't shake me. So here we are. Cool. Yeah, you've got me too. Yeah. I mean. Love it. I love you, Jess Lily. Thank you you so much for doing this. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Not Advice is brought to you by me, Erin Conlin. If you are interested in learning more about my coaching practice or how we might be able to work together, please visit erinconlin.com. This podcast would not have happened without production support from Cedar Cathedral Narrative Studio. 